on this Sunday, God has given me the title, amen, it's the stories, it's the stories. Um, and so, as I was, as I was preparing this sermon, I was, I began to think, you know, um, Okay, so let me back up. So we're doing this series on inheritance. We've been doing this series on inheritance for like four weeks. And I don't, I, I don't even know if the members of the church remember me saying that when I started the series, I was going to use two books. I was going to use 2 Samuel and I was going to use Philippians. Mm-hmm. Well, I really haven't preached out of any one of those books except for the, for the very first time. Because mm-hmm. God has been sending me another way. And so this Sunday, I'm actually going to preach out of 2 Samuel chapter 2. But as I was preparing the sermon, I was like, you know, God, I, I, I'm going through these books and I'm going chapter by chapter. And sometimes, like, it's just like, does it make sense to the people that I'm that I'm preaching to? Does it does it make sense? And I just began as I was reading, um, because I as I read, I don't want to try to make what I'm reading fit my fit the fit the series, you know what I mean, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I just want, because I, I want the Holy Ghost to just have his way. And so as I was reading, I was just like, God, it's just it's just the stories for me. Like, it's the stories that do it for me. It's the stories that I like. And so what I mean by that is, I'm, I'm reading this, and, and for those that don't know, in the beginning of the series, we were talking about God, what God told us that a lot of times, People don't see the benefits of serving God, right? They look at Christians and they say, well, why would I be a Christian? Because you act just like all these other folks act. So they don't always recognize the benefits or they don't see the benefits of serving God. Um, and so as I was as, as I was preparing this this sermon, I just like, God, it's just the, it's the stories. Mm-hmm. And right, so... When you're reading, and I said all that beforehand to say, like, sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you read these stories and you're like, what this got to do with my current situation? Like, they talking about cows and sheep and all this stuff. Like, but, you know, this man, I hear this man preaching, but what in the world does that have to do with me and what I'm going through right now? And what does that have to do with 2021? Like, but sometimes the Bible just seems so outdated as if it can't answer the problems that we have today. But that's not true, y'all. It's not true. And it's the stories that do it for me, right? And so what the Bible is, it is a collection of stories, right? And when you get into them stories, if you read, if you if you're reading with the heart to understand, when you get into them stories, you will start to see that the people in the Bible had the same problems that you got. And so what the Bible is, it's a collection of stories over thousands of years of these people who have this relationship with God. And so that's perfect if you are a person who's trying to have a relationship with God. You begin to read these stories and say like, okay, these folks had some ups, they had some downs, they had some traumas, they had some deaths, they had some heartaches, they had some family drama. They had some romance drama. They had some 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 financial problems. Like they got all of these issues, right? And I'm not just talking about no 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 like not having friends issue. I'm talking about some real deep dark issues, like folks sisters getting raped and people getting murdered and people cheating on their spouses and baby mom like real life issues. 
But the thing about the Bible is, throughout this whole story, because all of us, I'm pretty sure today, all of us got some type of drama. But the thing about the Bible is, even though it has all of that drama, there's one thing that ties everything together, and that's you see the handprint of the Lord. In all these stories, you see the handprint of the Lord. So I stand here today saying, it's the stories that do it for me. Right? It's the stories. That's why I love the Bible so much. That's why I love preaching so much. That's why I love pastoring so much. It's the stories for me. So when I'm reading the Bible, and then I, I and I'm thinking about what the word is saying, and then I start to think about my son Trey's, or I start to think about my wife, or I start to think about some of y'all, and I start to see y'all in the story, that gets me excited because I'm like, well, if God did it for them, then now I got a word for my son. Now I got a word for my wife. Now I got a word for my parents. If he did it for them, right? And I'm just not talking about he didn't do it just for one week. We talking about thousands of years. God has been showing himself faithful, right? That's what this book is about. That's what this story is about. So it's the story that do that that, that do it for me. Right? So as I go into the part about inheritance, and, and as I go into, y'all don't get dead on me. As I go into, into 2 Samuel, right? At this part of the story, David is getting ready to basically take his place as king. In chapter 1, you know, Saul is, is dead. And David is getting ready to take his place as king. And it's some drama along the way. And so my message for you today that sometimes on your way to the throne, there's going to be some drama. There's going to be some things that get in your way. But it's the stories for me because I see what God is getting ready to do in David's life. Right? And so a lot of times we don't realize, like, I really need you to consider your story today. Right. As I as I was preparing the sermon, I was like, I really want everybody that's listening to consider their story. Consider where you came. I'm talking about from the time you were that little, the drama, the stuff that you've been through, whether you had a father in your life or your mother passed or something traumatic happened to you or your grandmama raised and your grandmama know whatever it is, consider your story on today. And we and what we don't realize is we, all, all of that stuff leading, there, there has to come a point in your life, right? There has to come at a point in your life when you go John 3, 3. Very truly, I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So if you know anything about that verse, there was an old man named Nicodemus. He went to Jesus in the middle of the night. And he basically was asking Jesus, like, what, what do I have to do to get right? And Jesus told him, nobody can see the kingdom of God. Like, none of this will make sense to you until you are born again. And, and Nicodemus was like, look, Jesus, that don't make sense. Can I go back into my mother's womb? Can, how can I start over again, right? And he basically said, it, it, it's not a going back into the womb thing. It's a being born of the spirit thing, right? So all of your story needs to lead up until this point where you are born again. If you're not, it, all of your story has been leading up. So for me, I had this long story from the time that I was born to about the time that I was 23. And that's when I gave my life to the Lord. And that's when I was born again. And I started this brand new life. So even though I was 23 years old, my life started over. My life started over. And so that's what I mean. It's the story for me. All of us have that story or we have the ability to have that story. 
So if you are not saved on today, and you've been through something, maybe this is the day, maybe this is the day that everything has been leading up to you for you to give your life to the Lord, for you to be born again, and for everything to start over anew. And when everything start over anew, then you're on your way to the throne. And you just like David, you're getting ready to take your spot. You're getting ready to claim your inheritance. You're getting ready to get what God wants for you. But I need to tell you that you can't get your stuff. Nobody can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You can't get to your stuff. You can't get to your stuff until you get to a point where you say, Lord, I need you. Right? And you might be thinking, well, I don't know how to do that. Right? I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to start over again. The details, the, the roadmap, it's all in your story. If you look at your story, you should be able to see back all that. Yes, some stuff went wrong, but you should be able to turn around and see God's handprint. Just like I said, over a thousand years, this book is filled with a whole bunch of traumatic and, and dramatic stuff. But the thing that ties it all together, the thing that holds it all together is God's handprint. That same handprint is on your life. That same handprint is on your life. And if you look at your story close enough, you'll see. You'll see. So in 2 Samuel chapter 2, it says, And it came to pass that after this, that David, that David, amen, inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said unto him, Go up. And David said, Whither shall I go up? And he said unto Hebron. So David went up thither, and his two wives right, went with him. And his men that were with him did David bring up every man with his household, and they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. And so the first thing that I want you to know is Hebron was not the capital. It was not the royal city. That was Jerusalem, right? So on your way to the throne, sometimes you're going to make pit stops, but God say. Yes, it's your time, but I need you to stop right here first. Yes, 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 yes. I need you to stop right here first, yes, yes. right? There's still some things that I'm working out on your behalf, but I need you to stop right here first. Mm -hmm. You and your people, you and your family, get your stuff, and I need you to go. But the first thing I want you to notice that he did was David didn't just move. The word says he inquired of the Lord. Sometimes we just start moving and we don't ask God, where where do you want me to go? Amen, amen, Right? Right? And that's why I say it's the story for me. How many of y'all have been in a spot where you're saying, I don't know what to do? Well, have you asked God? Have you inquired? And then are you willing? The next thing that David did when God told him what to do, he obeyed. So many of us ask God what to do and he tells us, but we won't obey what are we waiting on? Y'all, you don't get tired of hurting? Come on now, you don't get tired of hurting? You don't get tired of feeling burdened? Right? What's the benefits of serving a, a, a great and mighty God, but you don't never feel good? You don't never feel all right. You don't never feel good. And that's what this series is about. So David and his people, they go to Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and they anointed King David over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, 
that the men, right, the men of this tribe, they had already buried Saul. So David knows, right? David, I, I need y'all to realize, David was anointed when he was a little boy, but he is, he's just now getting to the point where he's getting ready to take his throne. So what, what, what are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is, you got a calling on your life. You got an anointing on your life just like David did, mm-hmm. right? But if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, then that anointing, like, it, don't, it, it never works. It's like you you are you are a precious gift that somebody that you that you don't want to unwrap. Right? It's things that God wants to unwrap him. So David had been anointed a long time. But once again, look at the look at the story. He's patient. He don't say, oh, I'm anointed, I'm just gonna take my stuff. No, he's anointed and he inquires of the Lord and he follows the Lord and he seeks the Lord and he waits his turn. Right? There were plenty, if you read First Samuel, there were plenty of opportunities. He could have killed Saul. Yes. And, and, and felt justified. He said, well, was, was Samuel anointed me to be king? So it don't matter. Saul, you're not the real king. David didn't do any of that. He just waited. That's what some of us, that's some of our problems are. We run here trying to fight battles and win and take stuff and claim stuff. Hmm. Don't you know God will fight your battle for you? You don't have to do all of that. Amen. You don't have to do, you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. You don't have to do all of that. Just wait your turn. Just wait your turn. And so in that fourth verse, when it says that the men of Judah, I need y'all to understand, I'm building towards something. It says the men of Judah are none of David king. Well, it's 12 tribes in Israel, but he was only anointed king over one. Sometimes God just want to find you faithful with, with the one little thing that he Just be faithful with the tribe of Judah. Yes, 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 yes. Just be faithful with the tribe of Judah. And I'll add the other 11 to you. But just, just go to hell, brother. Just be, just be okay with not going to Jerusalem right now. Just be okay with going to Hebron and being the king over Judah right now. And that's our problem. Like, we won't be satisfied. Just, he want to just, just be faithful to come to church consistently. Yeah. Just be faithful to pay a little bit of your time. Yeah. Just be faithful to give a little offering. Yeah. Just be faithful to hit your knees at least three times a week. Yeah. Just be faithful in something small. And won't I do it? Yeah. And won't I do it? Yeah. Right? So David sent messengers to these men that buried Saul, and he said unto them, Blessed be ye of the Lord, that ye have shown this kindness unto your Lord, even unto Saul, and have buried him. And now the Lord show kindness and truth unto you, and I will requite you, meaning I will pay you back this kindness, because you have done this thing. Therefore, now let your hands be strengthened, and ye be valiant, be brave, for your master Saul is dead, and also the house of Judah have anointed me king over them. So in those verses, David said, thank y'all for letting me know Saul is dead. I want you to know that as I transition into my position as king, I'm going to treat you well. You were kind to me, so I'm going to be kind to you. So what I need y'all, what I need y'all to understand is that on your way to the throne, right, on David's way to the throne, it's a transition. You just don't step into greatness, right? Saul don't just die and then everybody accept David as king. Like, when you give your life to the Lord and you get saved and you're trying to clean up and get right, 
Everybody not going to accept the change that you're making right then and there. There has to be a transition period. Right? There has to be a transition period as you step on your way to greatness. Right? When you when you get in a position of authority, everything don't just start going your way. I remember when I first came to the job that I'm on now, right? It has taken me time to build a relationship with the people that work there. When I first came, people looking at you trying to figure you out. Let me see how smart he is. Let me see if I can get over on him. Let me see if I like him. Let me see if I even want to listen to this person, right? They didn't just say, oh, this is my boss. I'm going to do everything that he said. Oh, this is my boss. I'm on his side. Oh, this is my boss. I'm going to pray for him. Oh, this is my boss. I'm going to be in his corner. That doesn't happen. So David is saying, you know, I'm getting ready to, I'm, I'm on my way to the throne. Thank y'all for being kind to me, and I'm going to pay you back the kindness that you showed unto me. Right? But not everybody is on board. The word says that Abner, the son of Ner, captain of Saul's house, captain of his army, took Saul's son and made him king. Right? Yeah, Saul. So Abner basically said, yeah, Saul is dead, but David, you ain't going to be the king. I'm going to make this man king. And that's our problem. Some of us, we want to anoint ourselves king, right? We want to anoint ourselves king. We want to anoint other people king. We want to put other people in charge or put ourselves in charge. But the question that you got to ask yourself is, God, who do you want to be in charge? How do you want this thing to go? Right? And that's why I say it's about the stories for me. And I need you to understand the mind of Abner. So Abner is a person who has been in authority. Abner has been, he's been the commander of the whole, the whole nation of Israel's army. He's been in charge. And now he knows that with this change of power, how it used to be, it might not be that name. David might bring his own folks with him. So does that mean I'm going to lose my job? Right? So he starts to fight against David. He does, he, he's not feeling the transition. Just like I use the example on my job, when new bosses come in, the way that the school used to do stuff, that might change. So they try to, you try to fight the transition. And that's what a lot of us do. God trying to take us to the throne, and, it's, and, and it's, sometimes it's us, and sometimes it's other people that's fighting the transition. When you come to the Lord, stop fighting the transition. Just give up. Just surrender. If God has anointed that thing, there's nothing that you can do to stop it. If God say, I'm going to take some of your friends away from you, if he say, I need some people to fall off from you, if he say, I need you to I need you to change your environment, whatever it is, stop trying to fight the transition. Stop trying to fight it. If he's anointed, it, nothing that you do can stop it. So Abner is trying to fight the transition. He's trying to fight it. He takes Saul's son and he makes him he makes him king. And this son begins to reign. And I think that the word says that this son reigned two years, right? But David reigned seven years in Hebron. So Saul died and it still took David seven years to get to the throne. Right? Transitions aren't easy. So I, I you know, I started the sermon by saying, like, you know, if you need something to happen in your life. Maybe to, maybe today is the day that you're born again. Maybe today, maybe today is the day that you hit reset. 
How many Christians do you know that think like, you know, they have had an experience in church where they gave their life to the Lord and they thought that everything was about to start going good? Like, whoo, I just got saved, y'all. And then stuff like, it don't instantly get better. And you're like, well, God, you said, right? So this man is annoying. He's been annoyed since he was a teenager. He's been running for his life. He finally gets the opportunity, like the old king is dead, and he's supposed to have his opportunity to be king, and he still has to wait seven years. It's the stories for me. When you get into your word, you realize, right, that just because you give your life to the Lord does not mean that everything is going to instantaneously get better. But what it does mean is while stuff is still going wrong, mm -hmm. God is still able to fight your battles. Mm -hmm. While stuff is still going wrong, the hand of the Lord, his favor, his anointing is still on you. And that will get you through mm -hmm. until you can get your spot as king. And let me tell you the reason why it normally plays out like that. Because God knows if he takes you straight to the throne, you're going to jack it up when you get there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If he give you a million dollars right now and you don't have no money management, you got you didn't have money management skills when you were making thirty thousand or twenty thousand, right? You was wasting money and living check to check in. So you think when you get the million, all your money management skills gonna get better? No, it doesn't work like that. He wants you to be faithful with the little part. So he kept him there seven years and said, "I could just practice being king over Judah. Your time comes." Do y'all know what Judah means? Pray. Just, just stay right here for a little while and praise me. Praise me for seven years. Y'all know what the number seven means? Just stay here right now and praise me completely. Let me see if you can praise me even though you don't have what you want. Let me see if, let me see if you can just praise me completely and consistently even though you ain't got all your stuff yet. Hey, yes, Lord. Because he knows if, if he gives us our stuff straight out, we're going to jack it up. Hallelujah. And so without reading the rest of this chapter to y'all, after those seven years, basically a war start, a war breaks out between Judah and Israel. They start fighting. So the question is, what are they fighting over? They're fighting over the throne, y'all. They, thrive, they they are fighting over the throne. And, and in my notes, I put, put the throne available to everybody. Why they fight? Right? They supposed to be one nation under God, individual. Like, you know, that, like the pledge of the that, That's what they were supposed to be like. But because people, right? Because people want to be in charge. Because people want to be right. Because people want their stuff and I want it now, right? They started fighting over the throne. They were one. They were one nation, and they started fighting each other. It started out with a small battle. The leaders, right? The so-called leaders on both sides. They met at this pool, and they said, "Okay, you take twelve men. My side gonna take twelve men, and your side gonna take twelve men, and we are gonna let them fight it out." And all twenty-four of them died. All twenty-four of them died. And then that led to a bigger battle where one of where, where David's general killed the brother of the other general. Right? He was chasing him. He was chasing him, chasing him. 
And the man that was running was like, leave me alone. Like, don't do this. Don't make me kill you. Stop chasing me. But he wouldn't stop and he ended up killing them. So that's going to lead to a whole bunch of other stuff down the road. But the point of the story is, what, what are you, what are you today, what are you fighting about when the throne is available to you? We go home and we fight against our families. We go home and we fight against our children. We go home or we go to our jobs and we fight against the people on our job. What are you fighting about? God trying to save all of y'all. But we spend so much time fighting that we don't realize that the, that the road to the throne is, is right, like it's there. It's available. All we got to do is step into it. But we spend all our time engaged in these little battles. Right? You, you, you go home and you fight against your kids, right? You over here, you fight against them. And God's standing up here with the door open. He's like, come on in. Let's talk about it. I can fix that for you. But you over here trying to fight it yourself. Right? You over here fighting with the creditors and the bank and all that stuff. And God got the door to the throne open. Come on, come on in. This is the way this is. I got a seat waiting on it. We can talk about all of your problems. I can open up the windows of heaven for you. Yes, yes, right? Yes. What are they fighting about? Y'all are all of y'all are God's people. What are you fighting about? And so I close with it's the stories for me, y'all. Now, when you read the Bible, you might not get all of that that I just gave. I get all that from you. <laughs> How he get all that from them twenty verses, right? But that's why God sent a preacher, yeah. right? Amen. That's why God sent a preacher. And so I, I want y'all to know, like, it's the it's the stories for me. This right here is part of your story. The today is a part of your story. I was as I was thinking about this sermon, I was like, I'm gonna look back over my life, right? When I'm dead and gone, I, I wonder what it's going to be like. And I look back over my life and I look at all the things that I have been through. Right? When I look at all of the, the things that I have done, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And when I say ugly, I'm talking about you know, the stuff that you don't really talk about because like you shame, shame with that. Like you might say, oh yeah, I remember when I used to smoke. I used to, but you got some stuff that you shame, shame on, right? All that's in your story. It's in there. And then I wonder, like, what it's gonna look like when, like, I'm so I'm going down this 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 path before I know the Lord, and I got all of this stuff in my past and the relationships and just the the, the when I think about it, it, just make my face brown up because I'm just messed up, right? But I wonder what it looked like as I'm going down this road where everything is wrong and then I get born again and it just like in this my mind it just starts turning good. And then God just starts finding me faithful and he sees me preaching and he sees me baptizing people and he sees me like striving and giving and, and loving and like just the joy of the Lord and just victories. And you see me get knocked down and get back up. And it's like, I just, like, I want to see all that whole thing play out. And so I close with telling you that your story is really just this story. Including your history, including your past. 
Your story is really just his story. The question is, are you going to let him write it or do you keep snatching the pen out of his hand? Saying, I got it. Just, get, just turn the pen over. Turn the pen over and let him write. Let him write. Let, let him write it so that when your kids look back over your life, they can be like, it was just my mama's story for me. It was just her story that did it. It was her story that made me know that she loves Jesus. Because I saw how she changed. It was my daddy's story that did it for me. It was my grandmama's story that did it for me. Like I know how they came up. I saw what they went through. I saw how they responded. It's the story for me that made me want to serve Jesus. And so if I'm standing up here and telling y'all that it's, it's the Bible, that it's the, it's, it's the stories for me, I want my life to say the same thing. I want people to look at me and it's like, it was just Mr. Johnson's story for me. When I heard that man's testimony, when I heard what he did, when I heard Brother Marcus' testimony and I saw what God did for him, it was like, God got to be real. He got to be. That should be your attitude as a Christian. That should be your attitude. Your story, not just the Bible, because like I say, and I'm finna, I'm finna hush for real, y'all. Like I say, sometimes when we read this Bible, we're like, what they got to do? Like, what they got to do with me? So sometimes this is sometimes this is a barrier to, to people getting saved because they don't understand the word. You know what's not a barrier? You. They might can't understand it, but if you live for Jesus, they might understand your story. And they might be willing to listen to you talk about this. Don't nobody want to hear about this if they don't see you living. Amen. Like, don't quote me no scripture, and you know, you know, you ain't even treating your wife right. Y'all ain't don't 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 quote me no scripture about marriage and wives and men or none of that. Don't quote me none of that. And when I look at your marriage, y'all fussing and fighting, or you're like, y'all don't got no good marriage. I don't want to hear that. It's your story. It's our stories that should do it for me. Amen. 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 Amen.